Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Oh, come on, sit on down over here with us. Please do. Pull up a big seat. We've got a beanbag, but if you don't want a beanbag, we've got a papazon. And if you don't want a papazon, we've got a recliner. And if you don't want a recliner, we've got a bar stool. And if you don't want a bar stool, we've got nothing. And I'm sorry. Yeah, we got a swing outside and it's fun, but you won't be part of this sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. It's an indoor. Don't sit in that chair, though. Do not. I see you eyeing that one chair, the nasty one. Don't you dare get in that. I just said. Can you believe it's wet. it? It's it's a wet chair. It's wet, but not the kind of wet you think. <laughs> this is wonderful as a show where we talk about real good stuff, good stuff, uh, great stuff. I would actually argue. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got any of them? Small wonders. I do. So this is kind of a guilty pleasure, but I've been looking at those outfits from the Met Gala. I was literally going to say. The Met Gala. Like, like yes. part of me is like, I recognize the extraordinary privilege it takes to create a dress that you will clearly only wear this one time and never again. And, and it probably costs river. a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. But oh, man, that hamburger outfit that Katy Perry wore. I haven't even seen that. Did you see what Lizzo was wearing? I think so. Yeah. It was so powerful. It was, it was powerful. so fucking powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really good. Uh, I will say my small wonder. You actually took mine, but I like those wildflowers that you're seeing. Those oh, wildflowers yeah. are showing up. I like them. They grow right next to the highways here in Texas. And you get the blue bonnets and you get the yellow ones. I don't know what they're called. And you get stuck in traffic here in Austin a lot. But you have this nice thing to look at and mm-hmm. just be reminded. There's that red ones, too. You get to be reminded that it's not all roads out there. There's mm-hmm. still some places that aren't just road. Mm-hmm. They're between the roads. They're sandwiched in the roads. They are, they are suffocated by the roads. But it's not always just roads. Sometimes it's plants. That's beautiful, Griffin. Thank you. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Do you want to hear my first thing? Because I go first this week. Yes. My first thing is the delicacy, the uh, taste evolution of human consciousness that is called various names, but its first name, its, its Christian name is the Bloomin' Onion. I want to talk about the Bloomin' Onion. What? The Bloomin' Onion? Do you know about him? I do, but I feel like I don't know you at all anymore. He's a big one pound onion that they fry up for you or for anyone. All right. Let me get on your level here. Yeah, please do. You selected this because of the concept, because of the flavor, because of both. Yeah, I mean both. Yeah, okay. the, the concept okay. is the flavor. Right. The flavor is the concept. The concept is the promise. The promise is mouth satisfied. Because you're not an onion guy, really. That's not true at all. You take that back right now. How dare you? I feel like if a sandwich were to come to you and they said, do you want onions on it? You wouldn't always say yes. I don't want a raw onion. What okay. am I, Shrek? Hell no. <laughs> okay. I'm a man. I'm a human man. Shrek was a big green monster. Okay, well, I guess call me Shrek then. I I mean, you're more like a parfait. People love parfaits. Who doesn't love a parfait? Donkey. All right. Continue with your bloomin' onion. Continue with your bloomin' onion. Uh, So, yeah, the bloomin' onion is the uh, the, Outback Steakhouse. This is their their thing, right? I did not know this. Outback Steakhouse launched in 1988, and it had bloomin' onion on the menu. Did they get to you? Did they get to me? Did Outback Steakhouse get to you? 
I mean, are they paying for this episode of Wonderful? They definitely put out a radio ad <laughs> that had the activation word in it that sort of set off my Manchurian <laughs> candidate. No, they didn't get to me. The Blue and Onion got to me when I ate it and felt a promise of mouth satisfaction fulfilled. All so. right, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. Please, please go ahead. It's a deep fried one pound onion that they sort of desiccate <laughs> into the shape of a flower. And then you have a, a dipping sauce with it. Have you ever had a Bloomin' Onion? No. Oh my God, babe. I can visualize it. I can imagine what the taste is, but I have never actually had one. You cannot imagine the taste of the dipping sauce. What oh, is the dipping sauce? Exactly. It's this sort of pink slime. Is it like ketchup and mayo or something? No. It has a spicy, tangy, outrageously tangy flavor that I could not put my finger on. After some internet research, I learned it's mayonnaise. So it's technically in aioli. Uh, it's a horseradish aioli. Oh. You mix it with horseradish. And it's good. That's good. The flavor's good. The fried element is good. The, on- the sweet onion, the sweet hot onion is very good. Well, you have to understand, when I was growing up in Huntington, we did not have good restaurants we essentially had uh we had the the chain stuff we had applebee's we had a tgi fridays eventually yeah. uh and then we got an outback steakhouse and so outback steakhouse is like where i went for prom or homecoming i went there for yeah. multiple proms and homecomings because it was like a nice meal now huntington's got all kinds of fucking dope restaurants of course after i left uh so i have i think it's mostly nostalgia because i think if i tried to eat a blooming onion now my body would die before my brain knew what was happening um it is it is but i can appreciate the sort of invention of the blooming onion um it just also the breath aspect it makes the breath really bad Uh, it makes the body die but it's gonna go down with this big stink mouth while you're while you're going uh i can't remember anything else any other menu item at outback steakhouse and it's possible I never ate anything else. I have a hint for you, and it's in the name of the restaurant. Well, no, I think that I never ate anything else there. I think you get four bites into a bloomin' onion, and, and you're done. You're done. <laughs> Which this may be a solution for world hunger. You know, if we can just yeah. give people little samplers of bloomin' onions, onions aren't hard to grow. They are famously easy to grow. Uh, so yeah, I launched in 1988. It was basically the tent pole of the entire restaurant. I don't know why they didn't change their name to Outback Onion Zone or something like that. <laughs> um, it is a profoundly unhealthy food, which you probably do not need me to tell you. Uh, it's a one pound fried onion. Uh, the bloomin' onions got uh, 1,954 calories with 134 grams of fat, which is very bad. Well, you don't eat the whole thing by yourself. You can, depending on like if you were, <laughs> I don't know, dumped four days before homecoming one year. Oh, yeah, God. it's fine. We don't have to go into it, but getting dumped, yeah, you can really tear into a blooming onion. <laughs> um, and very quickly, other restaurants took notice of like, hey, this restaurant just launched and they are riding this one appetizer. Mm-hmm. Let's get it. Uh, so Lone Star Steakhouse and Saloon had the Texas Rose, which is essentially the same oh, thing. Oh, clever. More beautiful name, I would say. And also more fitting, because another thing you have to keep in mind is the Bloomin' Onion is not an Australian invention. It's not <laughs> anything over there. It really isn't. They sort of just did it their own thing, and then they were like, this is Australia food, and it's not. It just isn't. It never was. But but Texas Rose, I feel like we could own the Bloomin' Onion a lot more because yeah. it's, I feel like fried anything is more of a, a Texas For thing. For sure. Uh, and then famously, Chili's. I've said famously a lot. This is a famous the topic star studded star studded topic chilies had the awesome blossom yeah that was my shit it was crispier have you ever had an awesome blossom no (laughs) 
That would have been I love wild. That you think yeah. that there's this world where I would let you talk about Bloomin' Onion and say, no, what is that? <laughs> now, Awesome Blossom. Awesome Blossom. <laughs> awesome Blossom was better. It was so good. Uh, it had, uh, it, it was just crispier. It tasted better. The problem with the Bloomin' Onion is it would get sloppy and sometimes you'd try to pull a thing oh, off and you just. The whole thing would fall off. No, yeah, you'd just get the breading. You wouldn't get yeah. the onion. It was so bad. Uh, but I, that didn't happen with the Awesome Blossom. It was just better in every way. And also you could eat there and not think about the fact that the Outback Steakhouse has a pack that donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Republican candidates in 2000, 2004 Gosh. election. So you eat at Chili's and you can kind of feel better about it. Late I have to imagine now. there's shit with Chili's too, though. You know, Chili's probably got some shit. <laughs> I didn't dig into Chili's. Uh, so this thing happened. There's a tragedy. Men's Health, the magazine, the traders ran an article about the worst appetizers in restaurants in America. This was in 2008. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Number one spot was the Awesome Blossom, which makes me think that Outback Steakhouse paid for this fucking article. Uh, the Awesome Blossom <laughs> came in at number one. I don't know what's so wildly different between the two preparations know, of the two items. it does make me wonder. Uh, but somehow, the Awesome Blossom has 2,710 Ooh. calories, uh, 194 grams of carbs, 6,360 milligrams of sodium, and 203 grams of fat, which is how much fat is in 67 strips of bacon. Holy shit. That one got a Rachel cuss, folks, so you know that's a big <laughs> boy. Um, I mean, that's how it tastes better, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what kind of restraint. Yeah, maybe there's butter and then they fry it, whereas uh, the Bloomin' Onion just has they oil. Air, they air fry it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever the case is, literally pretty much right away, uh, Chili's pulled the Awesome Blossom off the menu in 2008, oh, never, no. never to have returned, much to the chagrin of the fans of the Awesome Blossom. Uh, and now they'll, they'll replace it though, but it'll be called like the uh, the Crazy Daisy, and it'll be yeah, <laughs> just a little bit healthier. Now you might be wondering. What did Outback Steakhouse do? Because obviously they weren't named, but their tentpole item was definitely yeah. put on blast. Yes. yes. Um, they went ahead and announced the loaded Bloomin' Onion, which has cheese fries on it. So just like <laughs> do the damn thing. Just like get in there and stick there your guns. There is something to be said. This is this is like sometimes people just want to be bad. <laughs> Sometimes people just want to be bad, and they should have a place to do that. But in 2017, they announced the three-point Bloomin' Onion, and this came in for March Madness. And this one had cheese fries on us on it, and it also had like little pieces of steak too on your onion slivers, on your fried onion slivers. Tell me how to fucking eat that Outback Steakhouse. That's a steakhouse. good point. I need three different utensils to I mean, do you gotta that. You got to use a fork. You got to use a fork, right? And you got to use a knife to get this. Well, it depends how big those steak pieces are. Uh, they're 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 like little bacon bits. Little oh, they're crumbly. not bacon bits. No, no? no, they are they are sort of cubes, like you might put in a stew. Uh, and also the cheese fries. And I think you need a fork to get the the bite on. You need a knife to get separation yeah, from the yeah, onion. Yeah. And then you also need a spoon for the the cheese sauce. Yeah. And I don't even know if we're dipping. I don't even know if dip enters the equation on this monstrosity. Uh-huh. And then maybe some aspirin. And then some aspirin and for a, the heart attack you're about to for have. the heart attack and then a slip and slide that just goes right into a coffin. <laughs> so you can take that last bite and somebody can just effortlessly shove you into heaven. Yeah. So blue and onion. I have not eaten one. I mean, I haven't eaten an Outback Steakhouse since I left 
Huntington. I haven't eaten at Outback Steakhouse since high school. Uh, I have eaten at Chili's far more recently than that, mm-hmm. but um, they don't do this shit anymore. I also remember that they were selling a like a as seen on TV, make your own bloom and onion maker, and it was oh. yeah, it was kind of like that apple slicer that we have. That's like yeah. a circle that like slices the core out, and then also, yeah. uh, but you know, it slices it a lot more. It slices it in a lot of different ways, and I think you're supposed to use smaller onions. I think we had one at the house, and I'm pretty sure we never used it. Huh. Bloom and onion, bloom and onion. Wow, takes me back the bloom and onion. Yeah. What is your first thing? My first thing is temping. 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 Did you temp? I temped. When did you temp? When I was in Chicago. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I went with this agency. So I moved to Chicago, had trouble finding a job, um, was working retail for a while. I was working at the Barnes and Noble coffee shop and then got a very short lived job in publishing because they fired me after a month. What did you do? Were you stealing pens? Oh, no. No, I didn't do anything specifically. It was an environment. It was a very small office, but nobody talked to each other. All the correspondence was done via email. Mm. And they wanted me to answer the phone and manage their intern program and manage all their mail uh, and manage their website and do some light editing. And I just couldn't yeah, do it. Too much stuff. And I was getting paid $20,000 a year, too. It was not, not a great not gig. Ideal. So when they fired me, it was kind of a blessing. But yeah. did not want to go back to retail. So instead... Went to Northbridge Staffing in Chicago and got temp jobs. And it was the best. Was it? Yeah, it kind of was. So they were in the Wrigley Building, which I don't know, what is that called now? Is it not called the Wrigley Building? The Jiggly Building. Okay. Are you talking about the big, big, the biggest structure? No, no, no. The Wrigley Building is like, it's right by the river. And I don't know if it's still called that. Okay. But they were located there. And one of the temp gigs you could get was you would be an administrative assistant in the building. So when people oh. would call in sick, you'd get a call in the morning saying, hey, can you come in, sit, yeah. sit at the front desk? Every front desk had just an entire shelf of gum. Oh, damn. So all the guests that came in could be like, oh, I'm waiting for my appointment. Let me just grab this little five pack of, of Wrigley Spearmint. A whole, a whole pack? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A whole pack. Mm-hmm. First of all, it sounds like your first thing should have been gum. <laughs> <We're> being... <laughs> well, because then after that, so I did that a few times. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at a various companies, all doing like reception gigs. Yeah. But then I got a five-month gig at DePaul University. Oh, cool. They were transferring all of their paper student records. It sounds a little bit like... Uh, oh, what I did at a, a uh, Tridata. A Tridata, yeah. We were manually, but we weren't scanning. We were manually inputting them into their computer We had system. to do that sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for five months. So it was like an April to September gig right before I went back to grad school. Uh, and it was awesome. Did you enjoy that work? Did you enjoy, right, to specify, Rachel and I, I am learning this just now, have both done the job of, of digitizing paper Here's what records. I did. What did you do? Uh, I watched all of Buffy in the little corner of my screen while oh, I was doing it. Oh, they would not approve that at <laughs> Tridata. At first I didn't. At first it was kind of like, oh, okay. And then I revealed myself to be very adept at it. Yeah. And then my supervisor just kind of didn't care anymore because wow, I was okay. doing the work. Uh, so I found a YouTube channel that had all of Buffy oh, on it. Oh, so it was illegal streams too. So that's great. Uh, <laughs> that's great that you were doing both <laughs> Uh, I started working at Tridata. This is, by the way, Tommy Smurl's company that I was um, 
I think everybody knows the unceremoniously lore. unceremoniously fired for mm-hmm. uh, from and uh, I started working there right when Pandora came out the website and so I could just like have Pandora open in the background just mm-hmm. find some new tunes well that's fun it was except I was working the four to midnight shift which is oh. the opposite of fun and my car kept getting broken into yeah see no this was like your standard like nine to five kind of job uh, and it was great because it helped me get other jobs, yeah. you know, like getting that experience. You know, when you work retail, it can be difficult to transfer into an office environment because they want to know that you've like done office type things. Well, temping is kind of a great way to get experience in that area and have a kind of variety of employers. Um, whereas, you know, if you applied for those jobs cold, let's say they wouldn't hire you. But if you're feeling an immediate need they have and you're doing the same kind of things a person in that position would do, you can kind of get that experience. Is it inherently part time work? Do you get like, can you get benefits from like the temp agency or whatever, like health that's, insurance? And, yeah, that's the tricky part is that you're technically an employee of the temp agency. Right. So you're kind of following whatever their rules are. Mm. And so I did not have health insurance when yeah. I was doing it. So it's not ideal in that sense. Yeah. But uh, if you're looking to break into kind of a new field and build your network in a new city it is really good yeah just as long uh, as you do not get sick do not get a yeah, gallbladder problem but don't yeah don't don't ever get sick uh but i will say over a th- i was looking at american staffing and over a third of temp workers are offered permanent work during their temporary assignment wow okay so it's not i mean it's not bad in that sense it's kind of like fostering a dog before you know okay maybe you adopt it <laughs> or you send it away to be adopted by somebody else so the staffing industry the whole idea of like getting temp work like staffing agencies existing to fill needs of employers actually started during World War II when small agencies in urban areas started hiring housewives for part-time work while the war was going on. Oh, okay. So that was kind of the beginning of it, of like how employers were saying, we need to hire a tremendous amount of people. We can't, we don't have the capacity to hire this ourselves. And the temp agencies were like, hey, we got these ladies, you want them? And that was kind of, that's how it all started. I'm about to say one of the most profoundly unintelligent things I've ever said on any podcast before, so buckle up. Okay. Doing this show and talking about all these, you know, typically older things has really made me realize just how much stuff changed and was invented during World War II. I know. It was a big, hey- it was kind of a big thing, huh? Yeah. It, I mean, it was a tremendous investment of United States resources that like totally restructured how they do everything in this country. Yeah. Huh? It was big. Yeah. It was a big one. We we um, hopefully will not have to do that in our lifetime. Yeah. But, but it, if we do think of all the fucking new like types of candy bars, we're going to get out of it <laughs> and think about all the cool new board games and, you know, fun, fun yeah. new furniture. I mean, terrible times do generate a lot of creative work. Yeah, no, I don't want the war because I'll for sure be the first against the wall. But the candy bars. But the candy bars, though, they're going to keep for so long and have new exciting flavors. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> hey, can I jump back to something? Yeah. When you had all those packs of gum in front of you, what'd you usually go for? What was your jam? Oh, What's your favorite gosh. gum? I can't see. I mean, it was restricted to Wrigley gum, obviously. Ah, uh, I see. So I can't really remember off the top. I mean, if you think about it now, this was over 10 years ago that I was doing this. So yeah. I can't remember. Okay, you're at the grocery store and you want a pack of gum, but a stick form, not like whatever else. What do you reach <sighs> for? What's your shit? 
I mean, now I go minty. Okay. I think uh, cinnamon used to be kind of a go-to. Big but, red? But you, yeah, you find that the flavor kind of disappears after a it while. It does. It goes away very quickly. And then you just want more gum. Then you just want in, in I did have to do the like delicate work, the tremendous mental energy of figuring out how much gum I could steal. Oh, yeah. That was appropriate. Everyone's done that who's worked in an office environment. Yeah. 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 I liked winter fresh. Oh, yep. There you go. That's it. That one woke you up, didn't it? Mm -hmm. That was a cup of coffee. (sighs) The thing was, is that I did have to answer the phone. So I was always conscious of like, should I really be chewing this gum? Yeah. That's the thing about temping, though, is you show up and nobody tells you anything. Yeah, cool. (laughs) You most of the time you are just answering phones. So one time that got me in trouble because I was working at a company at their front desk and it was going to be a week long gig. And I was given no instruction, just a list of phone numbers. And somebody called asking for someone by name that was not on my list of phone numbers. And so I said, I, I'm sorry, I can't find that number. And they said, you can't find the COO of your company. Oh. And I was devastated. But nobody was there to witness it. So oh, okay. it worked out okay. So then you sent somebody to kill this man. <laughs> and nobody was the wiser. <laughs> hey, can I steal you away? Uh-huh. Here we go. Down the money slide. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be... The same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different <laughs> now? It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 
to get 50% off. Got a jumbo tram here, and this one is for Cam, and it's from uh, Una, or perhaps Una. It's a very cool name. Either one of those is a cool name. Uh, hey, Cam, sweetest angel. My name, Jesus, why am I like this? Why am I like this some days? <laughs> Hey, Ocam, sweetest angel, my North Star, right now you're getting ready for work. I don't know where we'll be when this drops, but wherever we are, I hope we're happy and have a sweet cat friend. Anywho, you should know that you're wonderful and I love you oh so much. Here is to many more road trips, D&D sessions, and everyday adventures together. And then there's an, an emoticon here. Which it's always refreshing to see an emoticon instead of an emoji. And it's a smiley face, but they're, oh, it's winking, but it, it, it's been given a nose. A little pointy nose. I'm uncomfortable with this. I do not think emoticons deserve, I don't trust what they're going to do with those noses. Maybe Cam has a pointy nose and this is like a subtle hello to that. Yep. Yep. Probably that's it. Can yeah. you read the other one? You want to hear the next one? The yeah. next one is from Melissa. It is from John. Attention, attention, please sit a moment and let me tell everyone listening why my fiance is so great. Late night TV, co-op Stardew, board games, Flux, and playing Pathfinder. Since we've met, you've kept me smiling and laughing. You're such a wonderful woman, and I'm so lucky to have you in my life. I can't wait to marry you in October. I love you. Uh, It actually says OCT period, which a lot of people think is October. But they're actually... Octopus? They're getting married by Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man. Oh, I don't know whether to be happy for that or not. Uh, he's a bad boy. Like, he likes to yeah. fuck shit up and, like, hurt Spider-Man and his friends. But uh, at the same time, he gives a very moving sort of uh, sermon up I believe there. it. I believe... Do you think he uses all those wild arms to just gesticulate during the ceremony? He, he uses it. It's a funny joke at the end when he's like, you may now kiss, you know, whatever. He uses them to push them together. And everybody has a laugh at it. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, except one time he did it too hard. <laughs> James? I'm not gonna, I'm laughing at you. What? <laughs> and me too. Huh? Our podcast, Minority Corner Silly. Oh, the one where we talk about topics that cover the queer community, race, feminism, and good old pop culture? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. Oh, girl, we are so funny. <laughs> I was just thinking about something we did. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Are you listening to me or me? me. Both. Minority Corner. Every Friday. Can I tell you about my second thing? Please. Yeah, okay. Here comes the second thing. My second thing you're going to hate. You don't like my second thing very much, but that's okay because most people don't. I want to talk about Clue, the board game Clue. To be fair, I like Clue. I don't like playing Clue with you. Okay. Is that better or worse? <laughs> it's worse because I my first point here is Clue is probably my favorite great game that everybody refuses to play with me. I don't think I'm like great at Clue. I just I just It's not that you're great, you're just super intense. I'm very intense about it and it's just because I really like it very It's much. like the other people you're playing with are just obstacles to you winning the game. <laughs> is that not Is that not the it's not that I mean, not it's design. not traditionally, I think, what people focus on when they play a game. Of huh. Like, how do I get all these people out of the way so I can win? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that's a good point. <laughs> Explains a lot, actually. Um, I also think it's just not a very popular, like, I feel like it falls into this category of, like, iconic 
uh, board games like Monopoly, like the the suite of board games that just everybody has. Everybody has a Monopoly. Everybody has like a you know checkers or chess set. Everybody has a deck of cards. And I feel like Clue is kind of up there, except nobody likes playing Clue. I feel like Monopoly is the much more playable, enjoyable game. A lot of that is because, and Monopoly suffers from this as well of. Uh, the sort of prevalence of house rules of Clue, uh, which like kind of makes it when there's that many, it kind of makes it impossible to remember what is actually what is actually rules that are intended for the game, like uh, doubles or uh, dragging a player into your room when you make an accusation or can you stay in one room for multiple guesses? Can you bounce back and forth between shortcuts? Like all these different things. Uh, I'm not sure like with what those mean. Um, but I really like it. If you've never played Clue, which is probable because nobody plays it, it's a game where you're in a big mansion, you got to solve a murder, everybody has some cards that have different rooms or weapons or characters on them, and then there's one of each of those in a secret envelope in the middle, and by asking what your opponents have, you sort of process of elimination, figure out what's in the pack. Here's the thing, though, and this is something I didn't realize until I started playing with you, mm. like the deception that's involved in like specifically asking questions that you know aren't true to like throw people off yes that's the part that like i was like oh the uh, no i'm not ready for this game i mean there's a so i was going to talk about this like clue i think people write off as a luck based game uh or at the very least like a game that does not require or allow a lot of skill or strategy Uh, a lot of like it's basically like tic-tac-toe in that sense like somebody's gonna win this time let's just play it out and see what happens but there's actually like a lot of strategy to it like you said like fooling people uh with with like fake guesses for stuff in your hand to make them just like get on the wrong scent for a while uh there's uh you know if if somebody is heading to a room that you think is actually the murder room and they're about to guess it you can uh you can accuse them of the murder and pull them into what Whatever room you're in so like a defensive sort of play you can do stuff like that um you can like not only keep track of which cards are out of the running but keep track of who has those cards that's that's what's crazy like this is where the note taking like reaches new degrees of like oh he asked that question a lot does that mean that that's the right question or does that mean he's holding those cards and he's trying to throw people off and he's just trying to dial into one of the either person or weapon or yeah. room and so he's fake yeah uh yeah so i really like it I re- it is a very exciting game for me because it almost always like every game i've played usually ends with a rush to the center of the board which is where you make your final accusation and like somebody knows it and another person probably knows it too and it's just the first person that can get to the room and it's like this wild race to finish off the game i think it's a really well-made game I think it is a very, very fun and enjoyable game. Uh, Before I talk about the history of it, I should also point out that Justin and Russ Frushtick made a video for Polygon a while ago that is like this 12-minute exhaustive explainer of Clue and its origins that is going to be uh, far more comprehensive and probably entertaining than my thing's going to be. So go watch that. It's on Polygon's channel. Um, But if you do want to hear me talk about it, it was made by an English musician named uh, Anthony E. Pratt in 1944, and it was kind of like evolved from this murder mystery game he had uh, made shortly before, uh, the title of which was called Murder, with an exclamation point, which I like very much. Uh, So he got a patent. He sold it to a UK-based board game company called Waddington's, and they changed the name to Cluedo 
Did you know about Cluedo? The that is still what they call it in most of Europe. I think Cluedo. I think I watched that video that you referenced, and so it, like it sounds familiar to me. I I I knew about the name Cluedo. I did not piece together that it is a portmanteau of the words clue and ludo, which is like a a prefix that means like gaming. That means oh. so there's talks of, like in the gaming industry, like ludological sort of studies are huh. like studies into game design and, and game theory and stuff like that. Um, so that it was Cluedo in the UK when, when, uh, Waddington's had it. And then when Parker brothers brought it to the U S they just trimmed it down to clue, but it's still called Cluedo over there. Um, and there was actually a lot of stuff in those original ver- versions that weren't in the game. There were, uh, 10 characters in the game. Uh, and one of them would be killed at random, like before oh. you started. So it's not just Mr. Body. It's like you have to figure out the the killer. And it's so the, the roles change every time, which I think is actually really cool. Uh, there were more weapons. There was like a bomb, <laughs> which the is great. The probability of this, though, with this many variables? It would be a much, much longer game, which is why I think there were more rooms, more weapons. Like I think they just trimmed it down, which was a smart smart choice. There's 21 cards now in uh, in regular old Clue. Um, and Clue was Clue for a long time and people were into it. Then in 2008, they introduced Clue Discover the Secrets, which I think is the version we have. That changes a few things. It changes like the characters, like Mr. Plum is now Victor Plum, who's like a game designer, multimillionaire. Uh, and it also adds these little intrigue cards that can give you like little bonuses. But then there's these, these clock cards, which can permanently kill your character. Uh, and there are some like diehard Clue fans that like still think this version is shit. Uh, I like it. I think it's fun and entertaining. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a really fun game. I think that it's, uh, I think that it scratches an itch that it kind of falls somewhere between like Candyland and like Werewolf kind of like it is a game about, uh, uh, it's a game that really sort of tickles a part of my brain that I don't think any other sort of board game does. Do they have clue computer games? Oh yeah, for sure. They definitely have clue. I feel like I might like that a little better. Than like the the handling of the the pencil and the paper and trying to keep track of all the notes and whatever. Yeah, you're more of a cyber, like a cyber surfer. That's what they call Would me. Would you say that you're more of a cyber surfer? Yeah, no, I mean that is that's what they call me. Okay, like a hacker. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember so desperately the Julia Stiles monologue I know from you Ghost. Are. Ah, shit. Yeah, sorry. Do you know anything about hackers? Can you jam with the console cowboys? <laughs> Can you jam with the console cowboys in cyberspace? Never experienced the new wave, next wave, dream wave, or cyberpunk? (laughs) (laughs) I love that you did the hand gestures while you're saying that too. Like you couldn't not. You couldn't not do it. Uh, What is your second thing there, my console cowboy? My little cyberspace jammer. (laughs) My second thing is something that I thought you might not be familiar with, which is early college high school. You've just said two things. You've just said two or things. Or have I? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, early college high schools are high schools that allow students to receive a high school diploma and an associate degree wow. uh, by taking a mixture of high school and college classes. What? So this is different than dual enrollment where you get college credit uh, while you're in high school. At early colleges, students have fewer high school classes because some of their college classes replace their high school classes. How com- I've literally never heard of this. How, yeah. This has to not be very common, right? It's a relatively new thing. Like it really took speed in 2002. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates funded 
a large number of these high schools around the country. Is it designed as kind of a like fast track or is it designed to sort of uh, uh, get uh, students who may not graduate like yeah. across the So it's line? focused on access. It's okay. focused on getting college credit to students who otherwise wouldn't get it. Okay. Interesting. So it's not like an accelerated model for like elite students. It's like the idea is they put these in areas where there isn't a great college go- going culture to give students access to things they wouldn't otherwise. So it's like a sampler for college, but also like, hey, if you do decide to go to college, you're going to have this, yeah. this leg up. Huh, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so there are more than 230 early colleges across 28 states serving 50,000 students. Uh, and 92% of these students graduate from high school versus the national rate of 69%. That's really incredible. 86% of graduates enroll in college the next semester after high school graduation. Uh, and 70% of these students are students of color and over half of them are on free or reduced lunch. So the idea is that they're getting students that are first generation college whose parents potentially didn't go to college and, and don't have the means or access to know what it would be to enroll in college after graduating. Uh, so the in the Austin area, uh, there are, I think, six early college high schools. What? And it's focused on on schools that were um, graduating a lot of like underperforming students. Okay. So it there's still problems with it because they've they've focused on these under resourced schools and really like high poverty neighborhoods. So they still have a lot that they're up against when they become an early college high school. But it's giving these students an opportunity to graduate with two years of college credit when they finish high school. Yeah. And which I feel, is incredible. And, and when you're in high school and like everybody is talking about college, it is still such an like abstraction and that yeah. makes it really tough to kind of like get excited or like know what to expect. So I feel like knowing what to expect is also like an, an enormous benefit. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing too. So I don't know if it's true everywhere, but in Texas, this is free. So the students that are at these early college high school are getting college credit for free. And they're getting it from Austin Community College, which is how I know about it. That's so good. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the students are are receiving this uh, college credit while they're high school students. Uh, so they're getting support from both the high school and the college. Right. You know, they're getting their traditional advising support on their high school campus, but then they also have access to all the college resources as well, which is kind of incredible. Is this... Different countries do different sort of uh, uh, arrangements of school schedule. Like there's some where high school is like a longer stint than four years and like there's no middle school. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, you you go to college or like I feel like this is kind of becoming that conversation a little bit about like is K through 12 and then college. Yeah, the right the the right we've been doing it that way for a very long time. Obviously, like, is it still the right way to do it? Because as you talk about stuff like this and as you talk about stuff like AP classes in high school, which I took that I got college credit for, like, why am I not just in college at this point? Which I know is maybe like a snooty thing to say, but like, do why not? Why am I not learning this in a college atmosphere? Why did we decide that I have to, you know, take take 12 years of of, you know, lower undergrad school? Yeah, I think, well, there's just a lot of emphasis now on like building on like the strengths of of existing structures and kind of the world that we live in, yeah. you know, like distance learning is a big thing. Uh, one thing that we talk a lot about is competency-based learning. So the idea that if you are taking IT, 
yeah. you know, certificate courses and you have the ability to progress through that faster, why shouldn't you be able to do that? Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of kind of different models out there now. I think um, I, the thing I was suggesting is maybe to exist in a utopian world where college is free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because obviously K through 12, like you can, you can go And there have been politicians that, so. that have proposed that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see if that ever happens. God, it would be cool. Um, but yeah, this this is just this incredible thing. I get to, in my job, I get to work with the people that, that manage this program on our side. Uh, and it's just, it's really inspiring. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of financial burden from a lot of people to make it happen. Um, because, you know, just because you give students access to a college class doesn't mean that they're ready to do it. Right. You know, I, I think, you know, if you think about yourself in high school, this idea that you could just go home and be done for the day uh, does not work yeah. with college credit cl- classes. And so there's there's a lot of additional support that needs to be provided. And and you're sending these kids home with, with you know, without the resources necessarily to really like, you know, do all the research that's required to write a paper. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot of work, but it's really an incredible model. And it's just an awesome opportunity for students. Um and I think it's cool. I think it's cool, too. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Melinda. Yeah. Thank you for this. Thank you for cool new toilets. And thank you for computers. <laughs> thank you for computers, everybody. Thank Everybody thank Bill and Melinda for the toilets and the computers and this. <laughs> Say it now. Thank him and her. I don't know about these toilets. They, I'm not sure I want to know. And no, they're cool new toilets that are like designed for uh, uh, impoverished areas that are uh, cleaner. They help support... Uh, hygiene better. They're good toilets. I made fun of them on Twitter once and I felt very bad about it. Do you have like a toilet alert in your Google? I do have a Google toilet (laughs) alert. Yes. Uh, Don't judge me. Do you want to hear some submissions from our friends at home? Yes. Uh, Our first one was from Macy who was talking about the Met Gala. I think we have that covered uh, in our intro, but yes, it was very good fashions. Uh, Charles says, one thing I love is half-size carts at grocery stores. I live alone and just shop for myself, so the half-size cart is a perfect compromise between the carrying capacity of a big cart and the maneuver maneuverability of a basket oh i love this it's really good i love the half size card as well it's pretty much all i go for at this point unless yes. i'm doing like a costco big boy like and you got like up. the upper and the lower so you can like really diversify your grocery items and you can drift you can do cool stunts with it mm-hmm. it's much easier uh one more here from samantha who says i think homemade whipped cream is wonderful and my favorite part is when i put the bowl and the whisks in the freezer before i start uh there's something so wonderfully silly about putting an empty bowl in the freezer that makes me me grin every time i did not oh. know that this was part of the whipping process i didn't know this is the thing but i did know our, our friend johnny that makes a great biscuit says that he just puts everything in the freezer before he starts yeah, so cook, everything's ice cold cookware utensils ingredients yeah. everything yeah love it love it so thank you for listening deeply from my heart i thank you i thank the bill and melinda and everybody listening mm-hmm. uh and bowen and augustus for the use of our theme song money won't pay you can find a link to that in the episode description um what do you want to talk about I want to thank MaximumFun.org for hosting our show. Yeah. Encourage folks to listen to, to just really stellar programming like uh, Minority Corner. Mm-hmm. Or uh, 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 Heat Rocks. Heat Rocks or uh, Switchblade Sisters. Yeah. Uh, or Mission is X or anything on the MaximumFun.org network. We have other stuff at McElroy.shows. 
McElroy.family. <laughs> and um, yeah, we have a, a pin, the Rachel's Poetry Corner pin up now in yeah. the uh, merch store. And we're working on getting more stuff. Some up. folks have just started getting theirs uh, in the mail and they have been posting pictures and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and there's like tour dates and stuff. We still have some shows available. Cleveland, please. Cleveland. Cleveland. Please, Cleveland. Cleveland. Come on. And that's it. We're going to end it because Rachel's hungry. Where are you going to snack down on, you think? Well, we got leftover Popeye. Leftover Popeye. <laughs> Pot bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne, and justice is within your reach. My mom refuses to take my phone calls. My boyfriend says I should take our cats with me to graduate school, but I think he should keep them. In the court of Judge John Hodgman, justice rules. My partner's board game collection is out of control. My sister won't stop stealing my clothes. I'm Judge John Hodgman. I'm tough, but fair. I'll bring you justice, and I'm only a click away. Tipping. Automotive etiquette. Siblings. Roommates. If you've got a case, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Judge John Hodgman is tough, but fair. Subscribe to the podcast today. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is all.